Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Hey, so in Galatians, we're starting Galatians today, and I want to I, I paint this, this picture here first. I want to uh, tell you a story about something that, that happened uh, as I was in, in youth ministry right across the valley here at Christ American Baptist Church. My brother Philip and I uh, were teaming up. Guys, we've got a history of, of, uh, uh, with God together as a team. I love working and serving with my brother Philip, who's the associate pastor and the worship pastor here. But God was using us in our 20s. And imagine Philip and I uh, in our 20s. We were wild. We laughed a lot. We were even crazier than we are today. Um, this is what maturity has done to us. In our 20s, we were just crazy, uh, especially Philip. Uh, and, and so, but I remember we were leading a youth ministry called The Pauls, and some people here experienced that, but it was one of these things that happened before YouTube and before smartphones that's just kind of hidden in our hearts. You can't go back and see what happened. It's just hidden there, the move of God. And I remember when I first got to that church, I, I went there reluctantly. I didn't want to be a, a youth director of like 12 homeschool kids, <laughs> you know, which that was the, it was just kind of like a homeschool co-op. That was the youth ministry. Then I was like, okay, but God called me. God loved those kids. And I got there and I felt his affection for them right away. And I just started bringing Jesus to them and going after them and their friends. And what happened is about 12 kids turned into hundreds and hundreds of kids fast. And I remember this one, uh, and many people come to know Jesus and the, uh, uh, the, the, the joy and the freedom just to know God like, like people never knew they could. That God wasn't uh, angry at them, that he actually loved them and he wanted to know them. And I remember we would uh, just strike up simple songs. We are writing songs back then and kids would start doing the conga lines around the uh, auditorium and we just let them do it. Sometimes their parents would jump in too. We'd really let them do it. And it was just a happy, fun time. Remember the kids would square dance during the, you know, and we, we, just, we just told people uh, that you were welcome to come here no matter uh, how sinful you may seem or how sinful you may feel. We actually even had a, a place for kids, kids to smoke out front because you know why? I almost got fired for this so many times. But I just was glad that people were there. I didn't want to have to, uh, have to put something else on them that God didn't care about. And that's, that's like evangelical traditions on these kids, right? So uh, did I lose some of you? <laughs> you know, I just loved, I just loved kids coming and, uh, and just being there. But I remember we, we created a culture where you're welcome to come and encounter Jesus, come as you are. And so one day when there was a, a tragedy and a student died, I remember that Wednesday, um, the pulse was flooded with, with broken, sobbing, weeping, confused, hurting students. I remember we broke up into some groups and we let kids cry and we just tried to minister the love of Jesus to them. And before everyone went, I just stood up and I just shared my testimony about how I came to Jesus and how he came after me and he wanted me despite me. And I just shared Jesus with them that, with them that it's not about what you offer Jesus, it's about what he offers you. You have nothing that he wants except yourself. You don't have to try to be good enough for him. You don't try, have to, you know, it doesn't matter if you grew up in a pastor's family or, you know, you, you never knew your parents. It's just like God just wants to give you his righteousness and you receive it by faith. And I'm just, I'm just sharing this with these students. And then I just called students to respond to the gospel message, not that you're good enough, I, the, the gospel message was not this, you know, offer God all of your righteousness and let's see if he wants it. That is not the gospel message. That's just what we preach in South Central Pennsylvania, all right? I, the gospel message was, was uh, who wants to trust and believe and receive Jesus as their treasure in their Lord? I remember, I remember the amount of hands that sprung up all around that room startled me. I, I was I'm automatically thinking, God, what? How are we going to love on these kids? How are we going to disciple these kids? And we just figured it out. But those were days where, where it, we just shared the simple message of Jesus and the, the spirit was moving. So hearts were responding to the gospel message. The reason I'm sharing that this morning is because I believe that those, that, that, was, that was like a, a foretaste I believe that that was, that was something that God, is do, that God was doing then that he wants to pour out now only in greater measure. 
And I believe that the days are coming where a desperate, hurting world that is confused and mind-blown, hurt by the church, hurt by others, hurt inside the church, hurt outside the church, but just hurt and confused. And a desperate, hurting world that has gone down every road it can, thinking, if I get married, I'll be happy, and then they're not. If I have kids, I'll be happy, and then they're not. If I get a great job, I'll be happy, then they're not. If I invest and it goes crazy and I become a millionaire, I'll be happy, but then you're not. And this world's confused about, man, I, I believed everything. Every message from this world, but nothing is satisfied by my soul. And I believe that these people, by the power of God, are going to start returning with open hearts. And like never before, we're going to have the opportunity to actually share the real gospel with people who are going to receive it. I really believe that. And I want to tell you this, though, that what I think is, is changing and shifting in the church is that I, I think this, while, while I am always available and willing to share Jesus with your friends, all right, I'm always willing to do that. You can always bring some, uh, someone here, no matter who's preaching, we're honored to share Jesus with your friends here. But I believe that my main calling is not to share Jesus with your friends, but to equip you to share Jesus with your friends. All right, this is, this is the thing, that, that each one of us here, need to be able to rightly handle the word of truth. Each one of us here need to not see ourselves as anything other than fully qualified, authoritative missionaries if we're sons and daughters of Jesus. And the church growth movement taught us to put on such a great show that we feel comfortable inviting people to hear a professional. But that's not how the church is at its best. The church is at its best when non-professionals are standing on the stage, just fill it up with the Spirit, equipping you to go and share the gospel message with the people in your spheres of influence, all right? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing this, and I believe that our altar is going to be filled with people coming to know Jesus and getting set free and getting delivered and getting healed. I really believe that. But I, I believe that your, your dining room tables are going to be as well. Your living rooms are going to be as well. Your front yards are going to be altars. I really believe that, that as God equips, and, and we need to receive this, that we actually become people who want to do more than just go to church and maybe invite a friend, but we actually want to be, become people that know how to share the gospel and see people set free. This is, this is what discipleship does, and discipleship turns us into Jesus' followers. Jesus took his followers, and he equipped them, and then he sent them, Right? And that is what he is doing today, too. We have to get out of this professional model, and we have to start saying, hey, I want to be a missionary. I want to be a preacher. I want to share the good news of Jesus even better than Nathan does. And it, that will not be hard, I guarantee it. All right. Now, I believe that the, the Spirit of God is, is moving in such a way. Are you getting this? You like this? I believe the Spirit of God is moving in such a way that it's interesting that, that Tyler uh, had a vision this morning about uh, the, the Philippian jail and it being sprung open. Because I believe the word I got this morning is that Philippian jailer moments are coming. You remember the Philippian jailer? He fell down at Paul and Silas's feet and he says, what do I need to do to be saved? Now here's the thing. I, as those moments come, I want you to ask yourself an, an honest question. Honest question. Is, here's the question. Do you know how to answer them when they do that? Just, just wrestle that one around. Let it feel awkward. When people come because, they're, because their hearts are being stirred by the Holy Spirit and they're seeing God move and they're recognizing that every other road they've ever run down, every other thing they've ever run to besides Jesus, it is worthless. And, and they have a heart of repentance about turning their backs on that and they're starting to see Jesus for who he actually is and they're coming to you and they're saying, what do I need to do to be saved? See, here's, here's the problem. Here's why I, I want you to get off your phones I want you to actually get into Bibles. <laughs> and here, here's why I, I, we're, we're so passionate. Here's why we're speaking out of Galatians. is because the vast majority of us don't know the answer to that question. Now, did that sting? Because I'm not trying to make it sting. I'm trying to incite desire in our hearts that we can, we can carry this and it's easy. You see this? You see this? If, if you look at Barna's stats or whatever... 
uh, the stats out there, it's, it's crazy, and I'm not even going to quote them because it goes too negative too fast, but the majority of people who claim to be Christians can't tell you why they are, all right? And I, I know this, as I was growing up as a, as a pastor's kid, uh, if I would have answered you know, if someone would have asked me, how do, you know, how do I know that I'm a Christian? I would have basically said, well, my dad's a pastor and I'm a pretty good guy. See, that was me. I would have done that at six years old. I didn't know the gospel. You hear this? I think that many of us are, the, the, the gospel to us is, is something like this, uh, you know, believe in God, and that's not like the, the heart-changing kind of belief, it's just acknowledgement that he exists. Try our best to please him, which is the, the, the antithesis of the gospel, guys, but we say it all the time, and then and we, we applaud that when, when people say that instead of saying, hey, no, 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 Jesus is our righteousness. You're, you're not offering Jesus, you're not trying, he loves you despite you, that's, that's the gospel, right? But we say, we believe in God to an extent, we try our best to please him, and then we basically love America. And if you toss that one in on the end, then, then you're saved, you know? And it, it doesn't work in the Philippines, it doesn't work in, in Saudi Arabia, but it, here, if you say that, then suddenly, you know, Jesus has a special grace for you, but he, he, he doesn't. I think that so much of our, of our gospel presentation is some type of American dream, but we don't actually understand the biblical reality of what the gospel actually is. And so Galatians, though, really shares what this is for us. I want to tell you this. Uh, the enemy does not want me to preach this message. I, my computer would not print out this morning. I only have half of my notes. All right? I got an eye infection here that I've been fighting for three weeks. All right? I was, I was almost late to church this morning because of all this stuff. It's really wild. And, and, and to say that I've been discouraged some uh, th this past week is a pretty huge understatement. All right? So, but I am encouraged. I'm encouraging myself in the Lord like David did today. I'm, I'm excited about the truth of God's word. So, so here's, here's what's happening uh, in, in Galatians, and here's why we're going to be in this, is because, uh, because in Galatians, Paul is making the gospel of Jesus as clear as possible. The apostle Paul is the author here. He says that, the ver in fact, the very first word in this letter to the Galatians is Paul, an apostle. So let there be no confusion on who wrote this one. It's Paul. The apostle. And so he's making the gospel of Jesus as clear as possible. You know, the, the, the book of Galatians has basically all of the good theology of the book of Romans, except it's condensed into six chapters in, in, instead of 16. Um, uh, Galatians is basically the Cliff's Notes to Romans. And so I would say, if you want to understand the gospel more, actually, don't start with Romans. That can kind of take you down some roads that will be confusing. Start with Galatians and let that inform your theology before you go there. You got me? Galatians, Paul just goes right to it. And the way that he does it is he does it by confronting the false gospel teachers of the day. And he does this with spectacular precision. He, he confronts the, the false gospel of the day. And, and the, the, um, the false gospel of the day in, in the Galatians. Now, Galatians uh, is not a church. It's a region. All right? So Paul, an apostle... He's writing to the, the churches of Galatia. Uh, Galatia is modern-day Turkey. The city of Ephesus would have been there with lots of other cities. It was culturally diverse and rich. Uh, there's Greeks there or, or Hellenists there. There's Romans there. There's uh, Celts there. All right? And so this is rich, but so there's lots of churches in the region of Galatia. But so he's writing to the, the churches of Galatia who are all facing the same problem is that they are experiencing a false gospel being preached to them. And it is much like the false gospel that I hear preached in South Central Pennsylvania. Be an American, believe in God, try your best. All right? That's, that's, th this gospel is dangerously close to that. I'm going to get into uh, to this. So it's Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. I'm just going to read this, and I'm going to be hitting some others as we go. But it says, Paul, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. See that? Churches, plural. This is multiple churches. This is not the, uh, just the Galatian church. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gets right to it, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, 
according to the will of our God and Father. And I love that he says our God because he, because God is personal. He's ours, right? Uh, because of the cross. And Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So all this is ultimately about him and his glory. And whatever brings God glory brings us good. And it's a wonderful thing. So here I, I want us to, actually let me keep going. It says this, I am astonished. And here's the problem. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you and the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. See this? This is the problem. Verse 7. Not that there is another one. There's not more than one gospel. There's other gospel messages, but only one is true. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So these, these troublers are not bringing the real gospel or not bringing a deeper one. They're, they're bringing a distortion. It is not a pure, clean sound. It is a distorted sound. Look at verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Or that, that Greek word is anathema. That means eternally condemned. Strong language, Paul. Calm down. It's just disagreement. <laughs> but this is, this is disagreement over a gospel issue. I'm fine with, with, with you know, not dying on every hill. The hills that you die on are gospel hills. The, the ones, the ones that, that, uh, that bring with it anathema, <laughs> if you get it wrong, right? As we look at verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one, I re, uh, one you received, let him be accursed. Look at verse 10. Well, no, don't look at verse 10 yet, all right? Uh, just stop right there, because let, let's stay where, where, it's, where the heat is, all right? So, so here, here's what's happening. The Galatian people are listening to false teaching, and as a result, they're believing it. And because of their belief, they're turning from the gospel, the only gospel, to a false gospel. Like I said before, these aren't minor differences. I'm not calling us to you know, take out our swords and start you know, slashing and fighting people on, on everything. There's so many things. You know, in, in fact, church is, is designed to be a lot of people with different takes on different things, working it out together. So I'm not talking about stuff in general. I, I'm talking about this is, this is a gospel issue. And so what is happening, though, is these people, because they're believing false teachings, are deserting God. That means they're leaving God. Now, how are they deserting God? How are they leaving God? Well, they're abandoning the grace of Christ by turning to a different gospel. And this would be a gospel of works. All right? So this, this false gospel is being proclaimed or being taught or being kind of pushed out there by Jew, Jewish teachers uh, who are called or that, that we know them as Judaizers. Okay? Have you ever heard that name before? Have you ever heard someone? And it's a great name. If you're in a fight and, you, and you're losing, call them a Judaizer quick. A lot of people haven't heard of that before. It always works. All right? So but these are, these are Judaizers. These are false teachers. And here's, here's the really weird thing. Here's how we, they were able to infiltrate churches and take stages where they had influence and speak something that was false. Is because they were claiming to be Christians. Now, there's a lot of religions out there that are claiming to be Christians, but when you boil them down, it's still a works-based religion, you see, all right? So they're, they're claiming to be Christians. They're infiltrating the churches. As they infiltrate the churches and, and they, they take stages where they can actually teach, they're teaching, uh, they're teaching that people needed to be converted to Christ and to their version of Judaism. This is what's happening. But can I tell you this? Christ and anything else is not the gospel. Do you know that? Do you know that if you know anything about the Reformation, the reformers way back in the day, 500 years ago, had to break away from the, the church that took over, and it was Jesus and works. It was Jesus and, and, and the reformers came out with, a, uh, a, a, there's a Latin word for it, it's a sole, you know, sole Christ, basically. But it's Christ alone. Christ alone. Jesus and anything else is no longer the gospel. It's, it's Christ alone. The gospel is not Jesus and anything. The gospel is Jesus. 
When I was in Chicago, um, I was surrounded by a lot of people from the Baha'i faith. And I actually don't want to call it Baha'i faith. It was the Baha'i religion uh, because there was, you know, it was a belief system. But when it, when it gets down to it, it's, it's trying to follow the, the rules and the teachings of, of a, a prophet named Baha'u'llah. And the Baha'i people would say that they're Christians, they're just better Christians now because of Baha'u'llah's teaching. Can I tell you that? That is not the gospel. It's not Jesus and anybody else. It's Jesus alone. It's not Jesus and whoever. And here the Judaizers are, are saying, well, it's Jesus and proper adherence to Old Testament law. That was the gospel of the Judaizers. They, they, had a, they had a total commitment to Old Testament law as the highest pinnacle of one's conversion to Jesus. So you can see how this was confusing because they're preaching Jesus and conversion to him, but, but they're, they're saying you're not actually saved unless you're, you're also following all the law or all the, the Old Testament rules and all the Old Testament regulations, especially and specifically circumcision. So there was all this, this pressure. If you know anything about circumcision um, in the, well, you know, in a biblical sense, all right, the, uh, it, was, it was the sign of the covenant with God's people. All right, but now in the in the New Testament, people were actually using that as like a means of salvation, get, get, going through emotion, going through something. And Paul is saying, "Hey, in in the in now because of the cross, now because of the empty tomb, if you let yourself be circumcised, you're severing yourself from Christ." This is not that we're no longer under the law. In fact, the law wasn't given as a, as, a, as a way of salvation. The law was given so you would see your need of the Messiah. So you would see your need of the Christ. So you would see that you cannot possibly save yourself. And that is a glorious gospel. So, so this, the, the Judaizers are preaching this works-based, law-central religion all right? Instead of a, a grace-based, faith-based, Jesus-central sonship or daughtership or relationship. And so they're, they're, uh, they're preaching this works-based, law-based thing. And uh, what are my notes here? This is, wow, they, they, they just got funky here. So this is, uh, give me one second. So what, what, the, uh, what the law says is that you are saved as a means of following the law, and that's what they're preaching. So it's the law plus Jesus, but uh, that, that you actually obtain righteousness through proper adherence to and obedience to the law, all right? Now, that is a message that is preached a whole lot in South Central Pennsylvania. I said this multiple times, but many times when you say, you know, believe in God, try your best, that's, that's how South Central Pennsylvanians say follow the law. This is how they, they, I just, how do you know you're saved? Well, I believe in God. Try my best. You try your best. This, nowhere in the New Testament does the Bible say, try your best to be saved. Nowhere, all right? Nowhere does it. Now, the Judaizers, uh, Judaizers though, are not, it, are not motivated by the glory of God because the gospel manifests the glory of God. All right? It shows his heart, shows grace. It, says, it makes us go, wow! All right? The law uh, focuses everything on ourselves. So we actually offer God something, and God goes, wow, over us. All right? And what is happening, though, that the, the Judaizers are not being motivated by the glory of God, but they're actually being motivated by their Jewish nationalism. Okay? A treasuring of Jesus was not the core issue for Judaizers. The core issue was they wanted to convert the world to their ethnic group. And this is why I wanted to talk about America, because we, I feel like we hold America up higher than Jesus. We need to surrender it to Jesus, all right? We, we need to have a gospel that works for the world, not just for Americans, you see? So a treasuring of Jesus was not the core issue for, for Judaizers. The core issue was their Jewish nationalism. The, the core issue for them was adherence to the traditions that they loved, that made, that made their ethnicity, all right? And Paul came from that type of religion. You can actually see in Galatians chapter 13, look at this. Chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 13 and 14, For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, 
How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, right? Why are you persecuting the church of God? Like, why are you so angry, Paul? Because these people are, are taking the, because this new gospel they're preaching is, is not making the main thing our traditions. It's making the main thing Jesus. I don't, it, our whole society doesn't work anymore if that's the case. Look at verse 14. And I was advancing in Judaism Beyond many of my own age among my people, so extremely jealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. And this is what religion does. It, it, it produces zeal. But it's zeal for traditions. It's zeal for ways. It, it's, it's, it's zeal for your past. But it's not actual zeal made for its original purpose, and that's for God. All right? So the Judaizers primary in intent was convert people to their ethnicity, not convert people to Jesus. All right? Now Paul comes in with the gospel and he does two things. And here's why here's why Judaizers are trying to infiltrate the church. Here's why Judaizers are trying to take take the real church down from the inside out is because what is going on here is two things. Number 1, it's the the the, the church is threatening the existence of Judaism. Now I've already mentioned that, but let me dig a little deeper here. The the, the actual gospel is threatening the existence of Judaism by lifting up Jesus who wasn't asking us to perfectly obey the law as our means of righteousness. Okay? Lifting up Jesus. Well, Jesus isn't asking us to perfectly obey the law. And if we don't perfectly obey the law, guess where our traditions go? Well, down the tubes. <laughs> but Jesus is saying, no, it's about me. It's not about your traditions. Traditions are fine, but they can't be the main thing. It ha the, the main thing has to be Jesus. So Jesus uh, uh, Jesus is being lifted up higher than the law. Rather, we, receives, we receive Christ's righteousness as a gift by faith, not by works. This is baseline, foundational gospel truth. I think many of us say we're Christians and we're still trying to offer righteousness or right standing with God to God as a gift, and that is the opposite of the gospel. The gospel is Jesus was righteous 100%, perfect life, dies on the cross, and now offers and raised again, the Bible says, for our justification. Justification as his basis, basic, most basic form means just as if I never sinned. And that's why he's raised, and he's giving us his righteousness. So when the Father sees someone that's standing in Christ's righteousness, the Father, the Father sees that person as accepted as Jesus. Do you know like the old songs that we used to sing in the church, that we, and we still need to sing them? Dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. You, you, you're not dressed in your own righteousness, you're dressed in Christ's righteousness. You're not faultless to stand before the throne because of your works or your deeds or, or your good, pious life. You're faultless to stand before the throne because you received the righteousness of Christ through faith, not by works, and now the Father sees you with the righteousness of his Son. And this screws up everything. Everything. Suddenly, we start worrying about hyper grace. Oh, if, if we're just saved and it's not by works, how do we, listen, control people? <laughs> not much has changed, you see. And then, but the, the real biblical answer to that is we don't control people, the Holy Spirit does. All right, because, because law is opposite of spirit, and now we receive the Holy Spirit as the deposit guaranteeing our salvation and as the power to live for God from the inside out, not the outside in. You see? So, so there's, this is threatening the existence of Judaism, and it's redefining the law. It's, it's taking power out of, out of powerful people's you know, pockets. It's taking power away from them. It's taking money away from them. It's, it's messing everything up. It's messing control and order. And it's messing up. And a bunch of wild, spirit-filled Jesus freaks back in this day who were just like, I am free. Freedom doesn't necessarily mean what government I'm under. Freedom means I no longer have to try to perfectly obey the law. I am free just to love God and be loved by him based on his merit, not mine. And people that are, are under, you know, have that burden off of them get crazy, Right? In the most wonderful way. 
And so, but what's happening here is that even the law is being redefined. Uh, when I say law, I mean Old Testament regulations. Have you ever read through Leviticus? <laughs> All right. Have you ever just thought for? Have you ever just been so blessed that yeah, I do that and I do that and oh yeah, this is this is easy and I feel good. You know, have you ever done that? It's like if you have, like, um, come see me. I want your autograph. Right. This is you read through some of these books and it's just like this is impossible. This is impossible. Listen to Galatians chapter two, fifteen and sixteen for one moment. Listen to this. Galatians chapter two. 15 and 16, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. So in other words, it doesn't matter who you are ethnically. You're, it doesn't matter. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. I don't, I don't know how much, how much clearer do we need? Seriously, guys. But still, we'll, we'll read this and we'll just go try. <laughs> this is, no, we, all of our, we throw ourselves at the cross, we, everything you did, Jesus, at the cross, I'm taking by faith, not by effort. You can't take it by effort. It's, that's not how it works, right? Right? So the law is being redefined. Look at Galatians chapter 3, starting with verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. And do them. So, so if you want to be circumcised, you better perfectly obey the law. You want to try to present your own righteousness to God, you better do it with perfection. That is the only way that will work, but it's impossible except for one man. Look at verse 11. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now, now that is actually coming as a description of Abraham, the patriarch, in the book of Genesis, and even there. You know, you can see Jesus throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament. He's always existed, and he's always in it. And here you see Abraham being declared righteous, not because of what he's done, but because of in whom he believes. The righteous shall live by faith. That screwed up the old guys. That started a revolution and revolt and reformation in the old days. People got this and said, wow, this isn't a yoke of slavery. This is freedom in Jesus. This isn't trying hard. This is receiving a lot. But look at verse 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Look at verse 13. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. He doesn't ask us to make, he, say, he doesn't ask us to pay for our own sins. He doesn't say, well, you made this bed. You got to get out of it. South Central Pennsylvanians say that kind of nonsense. I was at the, at the YMCA back in the day when I used to go. <laughs> and, and I remember like one of the hurricanes hit, hit the coast like down south. And the guy next to me on the elliptical machine says, they've been warning people for three weeks. Serves them right if they don't do that. I was just like, man, this is such a Pennsylvanian. This is so, that, that is the mentality. You know, if you, may, if you didn't listen to the warning, you better, you know, this is what you deserve. Well, the gospel is that you get what you don't deserve, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus became the curse for us. He's no longer asking for us to pay it by ourselves. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree. The tree is the cross. And the man who hanged was Christ, Jesus. Look at verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, you see this? The blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. So this is no longer, ethnicity is being broken down as defining factors on who's saved and not. That, that even Gentiles, that's anybody else who, who's not Jewish. Even Gentiles, <laughs> might be saved so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith and the church has learned how to do the christian life somehow without the spirit but i i'm announcing those days is radically done we can't do this anymore on our own efforts we must have the holy spirit coming and doing his thing 
And this is through faith. You know, Jesus gets exalted more when the Holy Spirit moves and we get weird. Do you understand that? This is like free people are the happy people. The happy people are the fun people. The people that have a light. Do, do we really want to be known as the, the frozen chosen? Or do we want to be known as people that are free in Christ? Not free to love. Free to bless. Fr free to give. This is, this is the, the Christian life is way cooler than we know. So that the law is being redefined. It's no longer a means of grace. Paul is saying the law exists not as a means of salvation. It exists to show us our great need for the Messiah, our great need for grace. That's why the law exists, to show you what you're in need of. And then the provision is available through Christ. So everything in the Christian life comes through faith in Jesus not works of the law. Everything comes. This is the pathway. And this is why Paul was saying, hey, I preach the gospel to you, that Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, I preach the gospel to you. Why are you going back, like returning to your vomit? Why are you returning to what didn't work? He says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit by works of the law or by grace through faith? Which one? Did it get fun when you guys tried hard, or did it get fun when you said, Jesus, save me by faith? Which one? And Abraham was an example of salvation through faith. Now, I have a lot of other things that I can share, but uh, I, I, I want to I share these things just, just for one moment. A few. Do you have a few more minutes here? I want you to hear this. As I'm just kind of popping through Galatians, I want you to hear this, that God really cares about you being his, not you performing well. You are not like a court jester. And Jesus sits on the throne and you try to dance for him. And maybe he likes you and maybe he doesn't based on your performance. That is not how it is. That is what religion says. And we just come as so many people, I, man, I get hurt. Just thinking about the times in my life where I wasn't like living from the gospel is one of our core values. I wasn't living from the gospel. I was living from the law. I was trying to say, Jesus, I hope you like me. Jesus, did you like when I did that? Jesus, that was for you. Did you like it? Now, I know that we need encouragement and stuff, but when it's a gospel issue about we're actually trying to get our value met by our performance instead of our sonship or daughtership, th this, is, this is really rough. It's really painful. But Jesus cares about you being his. And we know that because in, in Galatians chapter 4, Four through five, listen to this. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. So I want to tell you a few really great truths that you can take home and you can be happy about. Number one, if you're in Christ, you're, ad you're adopted as one of his kids. You're adopted as sons or daughters. Do you see that? In fullness of time, in other words, in just the right time, God sent forth his son. His son's Jesus. Jesus is not created. Jesus has always been. He is eternally existent. And he was sent at just the right time. Born under the law. Not, not to be a good example to you to follow and try to be like, but born under the law to redeem those under the law. Jesus perfectly obeyed the law for us, not just as, a, as an example. And this is called our redemption. He's buying us back. Don't you know he cares about you being his? This adoption of sons, it means men and women, sons and daughters, receive the full rights of sonship and become heirs of the kingdom. And sonship, daughtership, is what breaks the bondage to slavery. And so, so many of us don't know this. We're still, we're slaves to the law because we, we, it's like we're watching Christians have a good time from outside the window. We're like, yeah, well, I'm here. I'm at the building. I'm just kind of watching everybody else do it. But God just wants you to take a bite. He wants you to come in. If, crawl through the window if you have to. It's fun. But come inside the house and know what it is to be purchased as a son or a daughter. And then, then we receive the Spirit. See verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And what that spirit cries is, is basically, daddy, come close. 
I just want, I want to sit on your lap. I want to put my head on your chest. I want you to cover the weirdness of this world with your one hand while you fight my battles with your other. This is, so receiving the Holy Spirit is not a result of work. It's a result of sonship. It's a result of faith. And Paul's description of the Holy Spirit uh, to believers is not first to shame, not first to convict, not first to make us feel guilt. But the, that Paul's first description of the Holy Spirit to the Galatians is what the Holy Spirit cries. And the Holy Spirit cries for intimacy with, their, with the Father. Abba is the most intimate way to say Daddy. And so we're adopted as sons and we receive the Spirit and then and we become heirs. Verse 7 says, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Not an heir by trying for God, an heir by becoming a part of God's family. You're not a slave, you're a son. You're not a slave, you're a daughter. You're not a slave, you're not a slave, you're not a slave, you're not a slave. We got to come out of the fields. We got to stop trying to impress other people, ultimately trying to impress God. You're not a slave, you're a son. Listen, listen, you know, my kids... Could, could curse me out and leave me, and I'd never see them again till the day I die. Guess what? They'd still be my kids. They would not have to impress me for me to welcome them back. They're just, oh, they were born as a part of my family, all right, and they're always going to be mine. We, we just have to get comfortable being accepted by God through the gospel, right? And, and heir, when you, the definition of heir is a, a person inheriting and continuing the legacy of a predecessor. So you're inheriting all that Jesus bought, and then you're continuing his legacy by bringing his kingdom to earth and through your life and through the fullness of the spirit. Guys, this is way more fun than we know. Do you see this? So I've got to wrap it up, but I am, I am uh, I'm happy that these are days where many of us are going to be stepping into sonship, going to be stepping into the kingdom through faith, and we're gonna, we're, and not through work. It's going to be grace. It's not going to be effort, right? Right? We're, we're actually going to, in fact, what I think that if we could do is if you ask God right now, God, just gently, like, have I been basing my, my Christianity, my faith on what I offer you or what I do for you, or is it, has it just been by grace through faith? Have I been trying to follow the law? Even maybe it's not Levitical law because that was Levitical law was what, was what it was like for the Jewish people, but maybe it's South Central Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania Dutch law, which is much more stringent. Way more, in fact. You know, can't wear pants to church, ladies. Like, you have to have your shirt tucked in. Like, what, man, did, did I... I see that somewhere. Like, well, I, well, we, we just, we, we make up all of these rules. And you know what the world resists? Is the, the, I, I believe that the world isn't mostly resisting the true, unadulterated gospel of grace. I think the world is resisting a gospel that adds more to the gospel than what the gospel actually is. The, the, the kind of gospel that, that we're just, we're imposing man-made rules on people so we can control them and, and st- instead of releasing people to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, you see. So I, I, want, us, I want us to think about this. I, 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 I want us to understand the gospel. I want us to understand this. Do you know that John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? That whosoever believes in him, see, that's faith. It's not whoever tries for him, it's not forever, it's whoever believes in him will not perish. Listen, you will perish apart from faith in Christ. That's how it is. It's a promise. This is why the cross is so big. We can't water that down. We can't water it down. But I think uh, many times, too, I, I see a lot of, you know, the cross equal sign love. It does cross is a demonstration of the love of God. But if it stopped there, it would not be salvific. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? If it was just, if it was just a display of God's love and was not actually a sufficient payment for our sins, it would not be salvific. But I have good news, my friends. The cross is a demonstration of God's love. For God so loved the world, that's his love, that he gave his only son. That is the payment for our sins. So we don't have to perish, but we can have life. You know what God wants for you is life. 
You know what he wants for your family? Life. Do you know what he wants for your friends? Life, life. That's he's, he's crying that out. That is his goal. He wants life for you. But, but how many roads, dead end roads, do we have to go down before we start seeing Jesus is the life? The life is not a thing that I get. The life is not a gift that I get. The life is a person that I get. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. There's never been greater love because his love went the full way to actually paying for sins that we could never work off on our own, to paying for the life that we could never have on our own. We don't deserve it, but we get it. This is a glorious gospel. So you're not justified by your works. You're justified by God's grace through faith. I, was, uh, I took my family on a, on a little trip to New York City. It was back in April for my daughter's 13th birthday. We uh, drive a big old Ford Expedition, Max, all right? Biggest vehicle on the road, and I feel happy and proud and manly about that. I, I, I toss out, you know, I toss out fried chicken out the window as I drive. I'm just like, but we were driving. Have you ever driven an Expedition Max downtown New York City? I remember we pulled up at the hotel, and we're, we're Hilton Diamond members. I've been traveling a whole lot more. The Hilton Diamond members, a lot, a lot of benefits that come with that. And one of these benefits was parking. So I've got my, my Expedition Max out on the thing. The people say, hey, Nathan, you okay. So, hey, as a Diamond member, you get free parking, which is a hot commodity in, in downtown New York City. We're staying right by the Empire State Building. And so I, I, I get to this parking garage, almost lost my salvation if that was possible, right? Trying to navigate in there. I don't believe it is, but I, you know, I almost, almost, almost did. And I get in, I, I finally pull in, and uh, as soon as the person running the, um, running the uh, garage saw me in this huge tank, uh, he started waving me off angrily. Get up! Back up! He said, back up! Get out of here! And he saw the Pennsylvania tags, which made him more angry. He's like, yeah! He's just coming at me. And, uh, and so I, what I did is I just ripped my shirt off, shirt off and began to fight him right there. I said, hey, you want to come at me like this, Holmes? You, don't, you need to know how we roll in, in South Central PA, you see. Come on. Then I fought his boss, fought his mom. His mom whooped me. But anyway. <laughs> But actually what I did is, is when he took a breath, I grabbed my Hilton Diamond Prefer card and I just showed it to him. <laughs> and he suddenly, I don't know what nationality he was, but he suddenly did this and he started like bowing to me like this. Backing up, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And, and he gave me a spot right up front. I know, I, I'm serious. He treated me and my family like we we're kings and queens of the earth. And I, I'm not just, seriously, it changed. And he apologized to me so many times. I made sure to be Jesus to him. I still tipped him as, as much as I possibly could. Tried to bless him as much as I possibly could. But I, 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 wanna, I wanna tell you this right now, guys, that, that when, when we're trying to do this life and manage this life, the enemy's gonna come at us with, with justifiable reason, like you don't belong, you don't belong in the kingdom. Get out. Get out. The enemy is successful in communicating that. And he's, he's angry about it. He doesn't want more glory to go to God by, by saving people that are far from his heart. He doesn't. He, get out of here. Get out of here. And then we, we just happen to show him our diamond preferred card, which is the blood of the lamb. Say, I'm not here on my own merit. I'm not here because I've worked so hard that I, I deserve this. I'm here based on my new dad who wants me, who's paid for me. And we show the enemy the blood of the lamb and he, he's nothing defeats the enemy but the blood of the lamb. And my question to, to you all this morning is, hey, you may be here, your parents may be saved, you may, you, know, you may have grown up in church. You may know more Bible than I do. None of that matters. What matters is, have you actually put your faith, your trust, your treasure, your life, pinning it all on Jesus, all your hope, all, all you've got on Jesus, not on your own efforts? And that is the question that I want to ask you. Because listen, as we respond to that rightly and actually get saved, you know what's going to happen? your friends are gonna get saved. 
the days are coming. We're gonna have to run five services on a Sunday morning and there's gonna be 150 community groups because it's all gonna be blown up here and outside. Like people are gonna get saved. We've, we've gotta be saved people if we're gonna lead people to Jesus, all right? So can you just ask yourself this morning, Jesus, what is, what is my faith actually in? Spirit, just like, man, you are such a gentleman. You just, you just work and move. So we just, ask, we just invite you, Holy Spirit. Just come, God. Just, and you're, man, you're the best convictor. It's like a big love bath. It's just like a big joy. Bombs go up, but they're joy bombs. They're love bombs. They're just, man, you just come and you cradle us and just show us your goodness. And just, just we, we want it to be well with our souls. We want our faith to actually be in Jesus, God. Would you just show people that today? If it is or if it isn't, if it's not, there's so much hope. All we have breath in our lungs. We can know Jesus. And then some of us, God, we just need to, we just need to realign our hearts. It is drift is easy drifting from grace to law. And so we just repent of that. We don't want that. We don't want that anywhere near us. We just give that back to you. And we rightly put our hearts in alignment with yours and with the real gospel of Jesus and nothing else. If that was you today and you just put your faith in Jesus, like maybe, it's, maybe it's, it wasn't the first time, it was the first time that you actually understood it in a minute. Man, I just, I, just want you, I just want to say welcome to the kingdom. God, thank you that you're saving people. Thank you that you're saving people. Man, I, I, I can almost feel the kingdom widening. So God, we just pray that you would actually save us. And then I just pray that you would fill us with your spirit. There would just be no doubt who's in, in charge of this of this house, of these hearts. We just bless you, we bless you, we bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, prayer team, could you just come up here and as Phil uh, just ministers, I just, if you put your faith in Jesus, I want you to come tell someone on the prayer team and give them a hug. Listen, let, don't let this moment go. You, you won't get this moment back again. You, you can go home and still be saved, but you need to tell somebody. We need to get on your radar because the enemy's gonna come after you harder. All right, and we want to stand with you. If you need, uh, if you need, you know, partnership in any way, we want to be the church this morning. So we're just gonna kind of, just want to let you go. But I also want to, want to encourage you to take a moment, just to kind of be still before God and let Him minister to your heart. Okay, but be bold, be courageous like a lion. Come tell somebody today if you put your faith in Jesus. Can we give the Lord a round of applause as we do that? Amen. All right. Thanks for checking out our sermon of the week. If you have questions or would like to get connected, download our app or visit us at providencecommunity.org.